DOS Champions Podcast. We have a very special episode for everyone today. We have the renowned Ted Westervelt joining us. Ted, how are you doing tonight? Great. How are you guys, Ryan? Ryan and Alex. Alex and yeah. Ryan. <laughs> I'm doing well. Alex, how are you? I uh, I had the luxury of going to the Chicago DMV today. So uh, that's how my da- that's how my day's been. That that's a scary place. I'll tell you what. I think I've been there. Yeah, it's it's magical. Yeah, I uh, <laughs> I grew up in the suburbs, so I, I think at some point I got a ticket down there and I had to go or something. Yeah, that's like a routine part of Ash and I's day to day. Just accumulating like tickets. tickets. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, <laughs> they're like anal about parking tickets and have installed all these cameras. But anyways, life's good. Yeah. All right. Parking tickets aside, um, you know, I hope that you guys don't end up getting relegated because of that. Uh, anyways, let's let's get into it. Uh, we're really excited to have have Ted on. Um, Ted, if you can, I guess, just kind of get people up to speed, those that might not know who you are and what you're about and what you do. Um, let me just touch on your background a bit. And uh, yeah, I guess we'll start there. Uh, born in Elgin, Illinois, uh, grew up in Crystal Lake, Illinois, went to high school in uh, West Branch, Iowa at a school called Scatter Good Friends School, uh, went on to Earlham College in Richmond, Indiana, played a little JV at uh, Earlham, uh, played uh, some some soccer in uh, at uh, Scatter Good, uh, went from there, majored in uh, political science, went to D.C., uh, did a whole host of internships and, and had some great experiences there and ended up raising money for Democrats for, uh, probably, uh, 15, 15, 17 years, something like that. And then, uh, moved to Denver when I started doing this, which is, uh, uh, basically saying, why don't we have promotion and relegation in American soccer at first? And then after deciding that I know why, uh, pursuing it from that angle. Yeah, that's a uh, it's really interesting, and it, I guess it kind of dovetails into what um, you know what your your mission is here, what you're on a daily basis trying to do, and and what that means for uh, U.S. soccer in general. Well, uh, at this point, my mission statement is fairly straightforward. It's uh, trying to find a way to get some consensus on a new organization that can take uh, the. Um, you know, the, uh, the push for promotion relegation to an organizational level and use that organizational level to reach out to media, reach out to all over to, to supporters everywhere and put a nice face on it. And, and eventually if necessary to, to, uh, govern and open a system of its own, if, if need be. So that said, Ted, uh, that's, a it's a difficult goal to attain. <laughs> and I think like, I, well, and like all of us, <laughs> there's so many there's so many roadblocks but um like it's it's difficult to even follow US soccer at this point because it's at least the domestic leagues um because they have these layers of politics and I just wanted to ask like what's what US soccer do you even follow these days It's tough I spend most of my time following American soccer history and uh and and like we already sort of touched on for a second before we we uh, open the mics here uh it's I do American soccer history every day and I guess you know one of one of my missions right now is to is to really get that soccer history out there and uh 
and I know that you know you guys you guys know the variants up there. So it's a team like that, and and trying to get the history out to them to you know hopefully empower some of these clubs like the variants that are you know pushing a hundred years old at this point, and 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 get them motivated into 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 recognizing that they're you know valuable commodities at 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 best i mean at, at most i mean it's there there's some way to fire these guys up and say you, you you're worth something and and american soccer history is worth something and i know i'm jumping way ahead of myself here but it's i don't think so at all no it, i and it's, if you could it's so ahead. important to uh, well look the, the, for me the fight for promotion relegation has become a fight to to rewrite american soccer history um, I, you know, we've all heard the 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 typical description of American soccer history, whereas it never really caught on in the United States. And, it, it, you know, and there was immigrants were doing it and it was always other people and baseball and it just wasn't American. And, and you know, that's a very um, suspect and specious line of of history that that has been written by people who uh, have those opinions, basically. I mean. So I think going back into there and recognizing our history is just it, it it's such a key piece of this puzzle and and that's what I find myself that's what I find in my path these days more than anything else. Yeah, that's a that's a really interesting take. Um the the memories associated with some of these older institutions I think are are probably pretty powerful and in terms of, you know, what they've been in their communities um, and then uh, enabling them to be able to participate on a more uh, equal playing field and give them the chance to expand is probably a better generalized, you know, idealistic structure that would allow that. Uh, do you have any of those specific like memories and, and maybe even stuff that you have, as you've been sorting through the U.S. soccer history stumbled upon that are really sticks out to you? Oh, wow. I mean, how much time do we have? <laughs> it's, there's so much in American soccer history that, that, I mean, you know, I mean, mind blown has become a meme at best, but it's, it's every other day I'm finding, I'll find something that's like, well, today that, uh, I, you know, I go through and I collect news clips and I built a pretty big library of clips and, and memorabilia and all kinds of stuff, some hard copies, some digital. But uh, there were today uh, in 19, I think it was 36, there were 3,000 people at a high school game in Philadelphia. I mean, it's no matter what you're looking at in American soccer, it, the news stories that I read just never quite match up with the, the stories I think we've all heard about American soccer history. It's just, you know, that you could talk about like Archie Stark in the early 20s and the mid 20s and the late 20s, uh, all the way through in Bethlehem Steel. But the guy still holds the records for goals in a single league season. Uh, Messi don't have it. Ronaldo don't have it. It's that's Archie Starks. And he's an American. He fought for the U.S. in World War One. And it's there's there's dozens and dozens of stories like that out there that that just it's it's it becomes addictive to to look into the history and and find stuff and piece it all together and it's really fun when you find one thing and you're not sure what it is but then through your research you find something else then you're like wow these two things go together and here's how this strings out and it's you know it, it, it the history piece is so amazing especially because like i said we've got so many clubs that are either 100 years old already i mean we'll have a couple of dozen us clubs that are a hundred years old in the next by probably, uh, you know, in the next 10 years, that'll, that'll be true. A couple dozen, if not more. 
Um, and if you yeah, think I want to say there's that, a handful in Milwaukee alone that are going to be right. That right. Age. If you think about that, I mean, Canada is in so many ways. It's so much. It's kind of easier in some ways for Canada to do promotion relegation. I mean, aside from MLS, but they don't have that. Their club, they had clubs that they never survived, and and our clubs did. And it's a really interesting. I mean, hey, you know, ninety nine percent of them failed. Don't get me wrong, but there, soccer was so widespread, and so it just becomes an issue of numbers. It's like, well, shoot, we had twenty thousand clubs of some renown. Uh, and, you know, OK, only one percent survives. That's still a decent amount of clubs. So, uh, you know, we have so many tools like that out there. And that, that just always gets me going. And I think that kind of brings us into, you know, why is it that pro relegation isn't a thing in the United States system? And, uh, you know, what does the governing body of you know, the USSF that have to do with that? and where we kind of sit currently. Uh, um, well, uh, you know, there are different, there are different, there are different uh, points of view on this for sure. But in my opinion, it's, it's the, it's U S soccer that makes the call on divisions and who's in what division and how it works. So for the moment, it still falls to U S soccer. Now, I think with all the things going on with the Euro super league and, and everything else out there, it's pretty clear that American owners and others are on the on the uh, on the uh, push to uh, to close other leagues out there and turn them into more American style leagues. So it it's it's you know it, the reason we don't have it. I mean, that's another sort of a convoluted question because there are leagues from coast to coast that have had it for. 100 years, uh, San Francisco Soccer League, uh, NP, uh, the uh, National Soccer League of Chicago, um, um, Bay State, um, you know, there are numbers of local leagues that have been running promotion relegation on and off throughout their history. And interestingly, those are the leagues that tend to survive the longest, if not survive to this day. So it's an that's another one of those Pandora's box questions that, that goes in a number of different directions. But it's U.S. soccer. Um, you know, we have been doing it. It just hasn't been done at the top. Yeah. It feels like there's, um, you know, a lot of, a, a lot of people that would tell you that, well, you can't introduce it because it will bring too much stability and that the entire system would basically fold over. Um, I, I would guess that a lot of your, your research into soccer history is meant to combat that type of type of thing. Cause like you were saying with 3000 people at a, um, what was it? A high school game you referenced earlier. Right. It, it I mean, feels like there is, uh, there is like enough people on local levels to support this type of thing. Yes. Uh, I think the history is there. I think we have all the ingredients there. And I think when we talk about stuff like weak lower divisions, I, I for me, it all, it's all tied up immediately into promotion and relegation. And when you have promotion and relegation, it adds value and adds, um, and adds, uh, equity to those lower division clubs. And they're able to do that. And you can say, well, MLS is really, you know, gaining value left and right all across the spectrum. And, um, yeah, but, you know, maybe they're matching up with English soccer, although the numbers to me are always specious. But it's 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 not, you know, you look at the value of the entire uh, uh, English soccer pyramid and then compare it to the entire U.S. soccer pyramid and you come up with an entirely different story, even if 
the numbers are, are, are slanted as I think they are. One of the things that I've, what that I think is interesting about this conversation is, um, uh, you, you would like to think it's like an open market type of situation, but it would seem that like governing bodies are really preventing certain types of players from getting involved in this space, um, and thus like making it exclusive to a very small minority of folks. Um, Ted, what do you think the proper way to go about instituting change looks like? I think that uh, I think that this new association has to form, and it's not a competing federation. It's just a new organization that can step up and and promote this and and work together with a lot of different people to get this done in the near term. And I think it's it's right there for the taking. It's just that there needs to be an organization that can confront. U.S. soccer. And, and look, this organization can be a member of U.S. soccer. It can. It doesn't have to be a huge, um, you know, competing situation. It doesn't have to be blood sport. It can just be, you know, here's an association that wants to do what we're doing and we want to open a system and and make it work that way and govern it in a, in a way that's not league based, but that's based in a, in a, in a, in an association fashion. And that I think is going to make that move forward. Other than that, I think we get locked into some other, you know, I don't think that that U.S. soccer or MLS are particularly fair and and uh, arbiters when it comes to uh, deciding this. So if we're trying to work into U.S. soccer, what I've seen with the promotion relegation efforts that have worked through U.S. soccer is that they, you know, they kind of end up in compartmentalized and U.S. soccer does tends to try to do whatever they can to isolate MLS from the effects and from the promotion relegation itself. So when you get into that whole system, it just I've seen that happening over the last 10 years. And that's another reason that I say, you know what, we have to come to consensus and, and have an organization that can that can act uh, for a lot of people at once, not not just some social media accounts, not just you know, all of this stuff, we just have to organize in some way, shape or form. So for those at home and I caught, I noticed that you said this, Ted, you said association as opposed to like a, like a, a like private enterprise or a specific league. What are the, what, what's the nuance with being an association or like having like an NPO designation, or is it possible that anybody that wants to affiliate itself with us soccer and go independent could do it? Is there anything special about being an MPO or an association? Uh, look, I think a nonprofit association is important because I think, uh, if you leave it up to a, a league, if you try to do it within a league, you're just, you're just asking if the league is governing itself. I mean, it's, it becomes for me, it becomes too much of a Fox and the hen house situation. And, and I think part of this is also, we have to start putting clubs before leagues and, and, you know, leagues are important entities, but I don't, I don't think that leagues as the prime entities is is the right way to move forward towards promotion and relegation. So if US soccer doesn't want to govern an open system, I think we need an association that that does. And then that association doesn't need to run national teams. It doesn't need to do a whole host of things, but it, it should be a an association that any club can join and uh you know and and join in and and in 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 hopes that US soccer can be convinced uh, to open a system or to open that system themselves. And, and it just keeps the, uh, look, I mean, I'm all about entrepreneurship and I'm all about opening the system to entrepreneurs, but, uh, you can't let uh, letting, letting companies govern themselves, I think is a, is, is not a, is not a good way forward. Um, 
is it safe to say that the means of achieving pro rel that we've seen today have been ineffective in your eyes or um and if so like what do you think the flaws are with the methods people have used to support pro rel in the event that they even have uh, look, uh, there are, have been many efforts to network into us soccer and put forth, um, and put forth, uh, promotion relegation as a goal. And, uh, I just, I think we're dealing with a very potent organization in major league soccer that's backed with a whole lot of money and power. And I think that we're going to have to confront that with another organization that has uh, you know, enough power to, to get out there into the mainstream media, get out there to soccer players and to, and to, and to soccer clubs of all ilks and, and, and make this a, a thing. I just, I, I, I don't think going in with a sort of a pre-compromised or a, you know, a, a sort of a, a gradual approach of lower division promotion relegation. I, I think that's the one way that promotion relegation fails. So you know, there has to be a system open from the top. If that's not going to be the U.S. soccer system, it should be another system. Yeah. So just in summary, it seems like what you're saying is instead of going to, you know, the beast itself and trying to get it to change its its madness or its, its ways of doing business, you would recommend creating a, a different market entirely um, that can run in parallel, although smaller at least has the opportunity if it makes it big to allow every club the merit to be playing at the top level within that respective entity. Yeah, I, I think that that's, look, I mean, not to let cats out of the bag or anything, but I think starting this and, uh, you know, obviously U.S. soccer isn't going to be happy about this organization forming. And I've been pushing for this for years. And I think that's a lot of the reason that I've gotten the flack I've gotten from, from uh, you know, organization types. So uh, uh, it, it has a lot of benefits in terms of this organization. If U.S. soccer decides to come after it, and say, you can't sanction your own system. You can't do that. We do that. I think that opens up a whole new court case of, well, why are you picking winners and losers in the marketplace? Why can't some other organization do this too? What's, what's holding that from happening? And so many of the legal challenges so far have been trying to sue MLS and trying to sue U.S. soccer and get them to do it or go into the court of arbitration for sport. And trying to do all of that, but while the MLS can just sit back and U.S. soccer can kind of sit back and just say, eh, whatever, uh, you know, we can just drag this out as long as you want. And by the time you, <laughs> you get a hearing in court, you're going to, you could be dead for all we know. I mean, it may be, you know, it's, they can, ha they can play the delay game. And I think a new organization, one of the benefits of that is that that organization can open this new front and they can play the de delay game. They're the ones who can say, well, what well, you're going to challenge us in court? Well, okay, well, let's get our attorneys together and figure out how we're going to do this. But you know, we're not going to stop until the case is over. So that's going to give more time to build this thing up and make it work. How do the um, one point of contention I've heard a lot with how the leagues are structured is the the pro league standards um, and you know how it inhibits regional leagues and and various other reasons. Uh, how would that type of thing play into this new organization? Obviously, you're saying that the new organization wouldn't be beholden necessarily, I think, to what USSF's uh, standards are. They kind of operate um, on their own. But yeah, I guess I'm just interested in how you view that aspect of all of this. I think 
for me, PLS, I mean, obviously it's important, um, um, but I don't, I think it's just another delay game that, that U.S. soccer plays. And I don't think changing those things is going to, I, you know, I think what's happening is U.S. soccer sort of dangles out to some people that we could do a code one situation if, you know, for instance, you met all the standards. And so then those people take that back and say, well, then we need to change the standards so we can, you know, reach out and try to try to make this work in and, and meet the standards that you're putting out there. But I'm, uh, uh, you know, I don't mean to piss on anyone's parade, but U S soccer is, uh, is looking out for MLS number one, number two, number 10, number 20, number 50 million. I mean, it's, you're going to run into a situation. You may stop them from moving those goalposts, but they're just going to move other goalposts in the meantime. So again, I, I just want to cut this short because, you know, some of us don't have 50 more years to try to figure this out. We, we could get this in the short term and that's what I'm trying to do. Like maybe in 50 years, it'll all change and everything different, but you know, I'm I'm selfish. I want it to happen sooner than later. No, I love I love that energy. Um so let's um let's move into like how this let's say this idea plays out to some degree and the people listening are somehow some way empowered to make some sort of change. I mean, how does the interaction that we're having or interactions like these play a role in that dream coming true? Is it a matter of people acknowledging that that's a possibility and wishing for it and subscribing to it. I mean, what do you think, Ted? That would be a huge move forward. I mean, I think we're, we're still in the realm where we can do that. I mean, I'm not going to form this organization. It's not my organization. But I think that when people, when enough people come to the decision that this organization needs to be formed, I think it's a, it's a, it's a fait accompli. It's going to happen. So it's just getting it out there in the ether and continuing to talk about it and continuing to iron out the kinks. And Look, I, I don't need to be involved in this organization. If somebody thinks I'm too poisonous to be in the organization, this is about the organization. It's about, for me, it's just about getting an organization up that can, has a very clear and succinct mission statement and lives up to that. And, you know, it's not an organization for people who want promotion and relegation in 50 years after MLS maybe makes enough money so that they can consider promotion and relegation. It's about people who want promotion and relegation, who see it in the short term and, and see a system starting next year, not not in 2073. Now, for those who are bold enough to go out and, and endeavor to try to do something like that, um, how do models like USL and, and NISA apply to the principles that you've put forward? I mean, are they are they not really representative of your idea because they ultimately report up to US soccer and they don't represent themselves as a as an association, like you mentioned, just in, you know, just in case there's some crazy people out there trying to actually walk, you know, walk with this burden. <laughs> um, look for me, league based is not the path forward. So, uh, it's been great to see Nisa go on and off promotion relegation. I mean, Eric Winalda was the head of Nisa for a while and, and I think we all know where he stands on that. So, but they vacillated back and forth and, and, and watching USL have endless conversations about it. I mean, look, I, I think the NISA experience and the USL experience prove, I mean, lay the groundwork for a new, I mean, a new association to form because if it was, if it was a going commodity for them to do it in with their, you know, they've got division two, division three, you know, if that was a, 
if that if they thought that was going to work, it would be done. It would have been done five years ago. I mean, it wouldn't have that we wouldn't be yimming and yawn about it now. It, it would be done. So I just don't I think that history has proven that those these league based efforts are not the path forward. And 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 to opening it up is a different thing. And look, I know that puts leagues in a bad position because these guys are businesses in and of themselves and they've got a lot of skin in the game and they want to make sure that that works out. But we've got to find a way to make clubs the most important entities and and maybe get leagues to seat a little bit of power so that we can get this worked out. I mean, I know everybody pays a franchise fee to get into the, the top leagues, but there's got to be a way to look, the benefits are so huge that there's going to be so many, so many, so, so many more resources involved that there's got to be a way to, to make everybody whole and transition into a club based system instead of a league based system. Yeah, I think the the real uh, draw here of this type of association system is that it is about the clubs and the clubs are the, you know, the, that's the bottom level. That's what you, as a child, you go and you play for a club. Um, and it's, it's kind of where your heart ends up lying. And I feel like that connection is, is the real, the real strength and the draw here. And I personally don't feel that connection very much toward any MLS team. Uh, and I wonder if, you know, facilitating that more is kind of the uh at least one route to getting additional interest in um you know that hey you can be associated with this club and it doesn't just have to be stuck where it's at it has a chance to like move up a little bit you and you see the joy talk about skin in the game that's in the game for the community i mean and that's not you know it's not some spanish concept it's not some english concept it's it's not like America, you know, I keep hearing that Americans don't get it, but thanks Ted Lasso, they get it, you know? Well, and even when you watch, uh, you know, what do they call it? Like the richest game in football, the, um, the pro- promotion playoff final in England yep. is just a huge game. And even tape that you see from some of the people coming up from the third to the second division, those towns go absolutely bonkers for that stuff. And I have to believe that that type of joy could be held by people at, uh, you know, clubs all over, all over this country. Um, and it's kind of why I brought up the, the pro league standard. Cause I think that regional based leagues that have promotion demotion are a pretty good way to at least build the bottom of this type of pyramid. Um, but, yeah, what do you what do you think about that? I think you said something about it earlier, but uh, it's, it's yeah, I'd so, like to hear it's, more. It's it's brutal because I, I you know uh, any any moves are good moves. So when Nisa is trying to build out these lower division clubs and 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 organize them in a fashion that 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 is it's open and can move to it. I mean, I I really want to be wrong when I think that it's not gonna. It's not going to be the way forward, but I, I just don't think so. And I hope I'm wrong. I, I mean, if I'm wrong, that would be the uh, it's the greatest wrong I've ever made. <laughs> I, mean, I really want to be wrong about that, but I, I just don't see it without you know, like I said, U.S. Soccer is making the calls here, and Division One is Division One, and without Division One, I mean, how excited are people going to get about promotion and relegation between Single A and Double A baseball? I mean. I, I just don't see it. And then unless you're including major league baseball, 
you're not driving the resources down and driving the interest that that needs to be driven. And and, you know, I, I really want to think that doing this in the lower divisions is 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 going to bubble up and work. I, but a lot of these other leagues, you know, one thing they have done is survived when they've used promotion relegation. These local city leagues that have been going on for you know hundred years now, but that has never bubbled up over a hundred years either. So, you know, uh, Cosmo League's been doing it for that long. San Francisco, I don't want to be repetitive, but that's my fear, and that's kind of why I'm not i just it, it just it just feels like that's not the way forward yeah it's not much of a pyramid if it's cut off at the top i guess is maybe i a guess way to... i mean in, in short in short form but again i mean god bless him for going out there and putting the story forward uh i don't know why it's not capturing more attention in this media environment it makes no sense to me that that nisa didn't get any any buzz on that, especially in the Ted Lasso era. I mean, promotion relegation just has not entered that world yet. And I think one of the things that keeps me going is that it's it's there. It's it's right there. I mean, it's and it, 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 you know, some political show, some somewhere, somebody has should. It, this is a real topic that's going to drive viewers. It's going to drive interest. And talking about it on a national level, on a national show. And I mean, like this, I mean, this is a great, this is great. But, you know, NBC, the, the political shows on NBC could do this and it would be, I mean, it would go nuts. It, 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 it's people are ready for this. And it's just, it's right there below the surface. And it's, that's, it's one of those driving things that you can probably hear in my voice. Yeah, it, it is interesting to me as well that it doesn't receive more mainstream coverage because, you know, the the whole some USF USSF uh, MLS thing is just such an inherent conflict of interest, and it's kind of baffling that there haven't been more mainstream stories about it. I think the most mainstream thing is you get is like ESPN, who are basically party to the whole thing, releasing an article saying like, "Oh, it's going to be over at the end of 2022." But it's it's crazy that we've gone 20 years um, with with this kind of thing, kind of like running the show and, and basically inhibiting the type of growth that we're we're talking about. Right. Um, it, uh, I, it's it's a monument. What we're talking about is such a monumental change, at least that's what I've come to decide in, in 10 years is you're it's such a monumental change, even to do it just in soccer. I mean, it's, it's, it's these guys, uh, the NFL does not want soccer to do promotion relegation. And I'm going, I'm going to go out on that conspiracy theory limb, but I, I guarantee, well, I mean, you know, the MLS owners who are NFL owners certainly don't. So it's not even that big of a stretch. So, uh, I mean, if you guys get excited as I do, I think we all know that soccer it would take huge strides forward in interest. Will take huge strides forward in interest when when the system is entirely open. And I think a lot it, it really makes a lot of those sort of U.S. monopolists nervous. Yeah, you know, just from our end, Ted, um, we absolutely like endorse the grassroots efforts, and I think that's like a big part of what we're trying to do. Ryan and I at Das Champions is is spread the idea that grassroots efforts, taking interest in your your hometown leagues, investing money in them, that's that's kind of where the magic starts. 
But um, I'd like to think that there's a, a generation of, you know, young adults who are, who are who are knowledgeable about the game, understand what a proper league should look like, and are starting to express their opinions more frequently. Um, and I'd like to think that those embers might be able to turn into something special. So it's important that we keep having these conversations and, you know, don't don't be surprised if we if you, if we ask you a question down the line about what does this model look like or what does that one look like because there's going to be people who listen to to what we have to say and um, raise a question or two. Right, uh, and and I, one of the challenges is to find a way. Look, the 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 fault line between a lot of promotion relegation supporters is that one. You know, can we build this from the bottom or do we need to open the top? And I, I I'm. I hope that that conversation can happen more easily than it's happened before. Uh, it's tough um, for me. It's it's tough, but I'm willing to you know have that conversation. But it's just it's just a little bit tough. Now my dog is barking. <laughs> hey, your do- your dog's is as fired up as awesome the fans at home. Um, Ted, I don't have a whole bunch of extra questions for you tonight. This has been an awesome experience with you. It's great to understand where your head's at and hear what your vision is. Um, Ryan, do you have any closing remarks? Yeah, I guess I would just like to ask Ted, um, what do you think, and we tend to ask this of a lot of people that come on the pod, is what do you think an ideal fan looks like? Not to like try to ascribe what the, you know, the form of the fan is here or something like that, but um, yeah, what, what do you think a fan would value that would lead them to the ends that you're talking about? Like, what do you think is important to value as a fan? Uh, the most important value as a fan is to, is to follow the team. I mean, you have to do that. And, uh, and, and, but you know, there are two ways to do that. I think we need to engage the interest of these fans. And too many times in the past, I think some of it has come down to guilting fans into that instead of, finding ways to really get them involved in other ways. I mean, yeah, I think it's important to support your local club, but you know, if that's not happening, then we have to find other ways to do it. Oh well, yeah. Uh, thank you for that. And uh, keep up the, uh, keep up the history posting. It's, it's super interesting to get to scroll through Twitter and, uh, and see some, you know, random facts that I had, no idea about. I think a lot of other people out there really, really appreciate that. Uh, once again, thank you for coming on the DOS Champions podcast. Dude, a hundred years from now, two hundred years from now, someone's going to retweet this podcast. It's going to be like the Ted of the future. <laughs> just retweet. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, really, Ted. It was awesome having you on. Um, no, thank you guys. I mean, uh, this is a great way to have a conversation, and I, I hope we can have more of these. Hell yeah, we'll make it happen. Yeah, absolutely. All right, gang. We'll all talk soon. Stay tuned. Cool. Have a good night, everyone. Good night.